Rebecca Pete and I'm Rebecca Cochran and, and welcome, welcome to, to Woven, Woven where we strive to be Christians living in the world with intention and our prayer is that to paraphrase Mary Zimmer the Christ who knew Mary and Martha would show us the way of balance thanks, thanks for listening welcome to the next episode of Woven we are so excited to continue in our series on the integration between mind, body, and spirit and yes. our soul. We're super excited to have a guest today, and I'm even more excited to introduce her because we've been friends for a really long time. Yeah, 15 years, maybe? Probably. Yeah. yeah. So this is um, Dr. Angela Schaffner, and we have known each other, I think we moved to Atlanta in 2003, mm-hmm. and true. yeah, and um, we got into a church pretty quick, and we're in a small group, and Dusty and Angela were in our small group, and um, we've been friends since then, so yeah. it's been, that's a long time yeah. that uh, we won't talk about. That was a young couples group. And if that was in 2003, I don't know what kind of group that means we'll be in now, but that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) But um, anyways, we have Angela on um, because first off, we're such good friends, even though we don't get to see each other as much anymore. Um, For those in the Atlanta area, you'll know what it means that I live in Smyrna and these ladies live in Decatur. Yes. People hear Metro Atlanta, I think, and they think it's just a hop, skip and a jump, but it is more like a marathon. Yeah. To get to someone sometimes. So, yeah. Yes. yeah. Always good to get it's together. a day trip. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. To the other side. So, um, Angela and I um, started out um, in our friendship because, I mean, I know I was unemployed. Mm-hmm. And you were working on your postdoc, I was, right? I was finishing up my dissertation yes. and waiting for internship to start and yes. just sort of exploring what was going to be next. Yes. And, and it I was, was really helpful to just sit at Starbucks and explore yeah. our futures together. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> Back before we had children. Right. And when we had time to sit at We were young and green and could yes. sit at Starbucks for three or four hours at right. a time. Um, but yeah, so I was freshly out of seminary and she was freshly out of her doctoral program. And we, you know, got to have wonderful discussions about life and mm-hmm. God and relationships and where God was taking us next in ministry and all of those things. So um, that seems like light years ago, but I feel like we still have a good relationship. So that's fun. So when we started our series, started thinking about our series on um, the mind and the body and the spirit and integration between those things. And we knew we wanted to start about talking about the body first. Um, Angela was the first person that came to mind. She um, is a, has a PhD in counseling psychology Mm -hmm. and she has her own practice. Before that you worked at an eating disorder clinic here in Atlanta for about 12 years. And now she's um, has her own, her own practice and she's an adjunct professor at Mercer. Um, So she has lots of experience and her specialty is on eating disorders and body image and those things. So we thought she was the perfect person to have on. So so much for having me. Yeah, we're excited. Yeah, I'm so excited that um, you had this connection because I can't think of a more perfect person to talk to about this stuff, honestly. So I'm so happy. Um, And I guess the first thing anybody thinks is what made you go into this field? Why are you interested in this topic? Well, I've noticed for a long time, I mean, both for myself and many friends I've known, many people I've known that, you know, body image is a real concern for a lot of people in our our culture, and it plays a big part in how we feel about ourselves in general. And so I've always noticed just a connection. I love your focus on integration because I think, you know, our feelings toward our body are not just feelings toward our body. They are feelings toward ourselves. And those those two things mirror one another. Um, you know, I've always noticed that, um, 
you know, when I feel more confident, I'm not as preoccupied with my body or food. And when I'm, you know, feeling more self-critical, that tends to kind of play out in body image as well. Yeah. And I think it's kind of one of those things. Everyone has their sort of area that they are self-conscious about Mm -hmm. for women. Typically, I would say largely it tends to be our body. Whereas like, I know my husband when he's, he's going to hate this, but when he's insecure, (laughs) he focuses on finances. Like Mm -hmm. that's immediately where his mind goes. So for us, I think as women, it just tends to go to our body. I think it is really, really common with women. We are seeing though more boys and men dealing with this too, but there tend to be some differences with that. Like for boys and men, they, it tends to be more about having a muscular physique and things like that as opposed to being thin. Yeah, got um, it. So that's not always true across the board, but yeah. we do, you know, see more and more boys and men at our, uh, at ACE, Atlanta Center for Eating Disorders, mm-hmm. where, where I had spent yeah. um, the past 12 years. And, um, you know, those concerns are just as real. Yeah. And I mean, do you think that the disordered eating and exercise mm-hmm. addiction in our culture, I mean, I feel like, I feel mm-hmm. personally like they're socially acceptable because mm-hmm. I mean, you can get on social media or even talk to people and it's almost like we're identified how are what diet are you on? Oh, yeah. I'm paleo. I'm this and right. not, you know, nothing against those, but I think it's kind of become a way of identifying ourselves. And I wonder, yeah. do you feel yeah. like as a, as a clinical person who studies this, like, do you mm-hmm. think this is socially acceptable? Well, I think it's become a social norm, you mm-hmm. know, to talk mm-hmm. about dieting. You almost can't have a social interaction at a party or a, right. a, a gathering without someone mentioning, food or body image or, oh no, summer's coming. I'm going to be wearing a a swimsuit soon or those kind of conversations. And, you know, unfortunately, I just think there's a lot of focus on it in our culture and that, um, you know, we, we very much as a culture still praise the thin ideal, the very fit body and a, Mm -hmm. a very particular type of body is deemed, you know, good and acceptable and perfect. And, you know, the reality is we have diverse bodies and we have um, just a lot of differences that, you know, not everybody is is going to be able to look like that or, or needs to look like that. You know, it's it's a value we need to challenge. It's interesting that we bring up the conversation about um, the different types of diets that are popular right now. And mm-hmm. most of and it's not just now. I mean, it's any mm-hmm. diet I think right. about, you know, back in the eighties <laughs> when my mom was, um, you know, <laughs> when I was young and my mom and her friends were doing things, you know, it was, there's the grapefruit diet and you would eat oh, grapefruit yeah, yeah. diet for two meals yeah. or, you know, whether it's the shakes and you just eat shakes and that's it. And, yeah. um, whatever it was, that was the thing then. And then the things now, the common thread is restriction, right? Yeah. Your restriction, you're restricting a whole food group, or you're mm-hmm. restricting a whole type of food. Mm-hmm. And I was interesting, I just was reading an article the other day that um, a family member posted, and it was talking about the restriction diets mm-hmm. and how that, um, how that's, how that's unhealthy and not in an emotional way, or when we restrict ourselves, then, mm-hmm. then we cause ourselves to unrestrict ourselves in unhealthy ways yes. right. in other areas. But just that, our bodies were made for all types of foods. Yes, and when we yes. take out one type of food, right. unless obviously you have a medical condition that sure. needs to take out that type yeah. of food, you know, if you're diabetic or if Absolutely. you're allergic to something, obviously, but um, or have a heart condition yeah. or whatever. But I mean, just to use it as a weight loss mechanism mm-hmm. to rule out whole food groups, right. what that does um, to our bodies, um, we think that we're making our bodies healthier and right. it's actually causing damage um, to our systems, which I yes. thought was interesting. And it makes right. you mean. 
Mm-hmm. I tried to, I mean, yes. you ever tried to cut carbs? Like, oh my Lord, I was right. evil. I mean, talk about hangry. Yeah, yeah it's no, it's, like, it's real. It's a real phenomenon. And, yeah. you know, we do see those fads of, you know, for a while it's fat-free, for a while it's carb-free, yeah. and there's all variations of diets. You know, I'm not an advocate really of any type of diet, you know, but more variety, moderation, yes, yes. principles of balance, things like that, because uh, it's a much better way to live as you know a lifestyle as opposed to creating a lot of rigid rules for yourself around food that most of the time end up backfiring and one one statistic you don't hear enough is that you know 95 plus percent of people who lose weight on a diet and end up gaining back that weight plus more yes because there's kind of this rebound effect that you know if somebody's been restricting they set themselves up eventually to binge eat and you know we don't always think through that whole um, sequence of events or connect those things. Yeah. And something you said um, before we recorded, we were just chatting and Angela said something that really interested me um, that it's almost, you were saying when you kind of do the thing where you're not eating a whole lot all day because you're trying to, mm-hmm. that being hungry mm-hmm. is not a moral issue. Right. And we totally make it that. And yeah. I, I mean, mm-hmm. I do, I know every time I'm really hungry, I'm like, oh my gosh, why am I hungry again? Mm-hmm. What is wrong? Like, you know, and it, it's right. because I feel guilty about being hungry. Yeah, I mean, right. how screwed up is that? But, right. but a lot of us do, I think. And mm-hmm. that's, yeah. I wanted to right. That's that. just our body's cues working normally. And yes. anybody mm-hmm. who has not eaten much in the earlier part of the day is going to experience that feeling later on in the day of, of getting to kind of an over-hungry state mm-hmm. because they yeah. haven't been proactive about giving their body what it needs. Right. And their mm-hmm. body is reacting to that really wisely. Yes. You know, our bodies are wise and they want to survive and we need to trust them more instead of being so critical and, and trying so hard to regulate and control. And I, I, you bring up a good point about our bodies being wise and I, it makes me think the theologian in me Mm -hmm. makes me think about God created our bodies Mm -hmm. to need certain things. And when we restrict those things, Mm -hmm. our body reacts to that. Mm -hmm. And, um, our bodies were created Mm -hmm. to crave certain things. Now there's a line in that where, Mm -hmm. you know, self-control is a fruit of the spirit and there Mm -hmm. is, there is unhealthy forms of that. And, you know, so the question comes in that we want to be healthy. It's mm-hmm. not that we want to be the the opposite of an eating disorder is not unhealthy eating. Right, the right. opposite is is to be healthy and balanced and moderate and um, giving our body what it needs versus um, restricting. So mm-hmm. how do you know that you're getting into the unhealthy territory from healthiness? Uh, well, to me, it's kind of a continuum. I mean, yeah. you know, there's many people in our culture who don't have a full-blown eating disorder, whether it be binge eating disorder or bulimia or anorexia, but they are somewhere on that continuum of maybe preoccupation with food or Mm -hmm. preoccupation with body image, or Mm -hmm. maybe they've moved further along into some disordered eating, even if they haven't yet developed a full-blown eating disorder. So, um, you know, some, some signs, some red flags that you might be headed in that direction are, you know, when you look at being an active person, for instance, and exercise, you know, I hear it's always a red flag to me when I hear sort of a compensating statement from someone like I, oh, you know, I ate such and such. So now I need to work out and do such and such or, you know, oh, good. I worked out for X number of minutes or miles and now I can eat whatever I want. You know, those things in, you know, I think in a healthy mindset, 
would be separate. You know, I'm going to do a number of positive behaviors for myself. One of those positive behaviors is to be active. Another one is to be fueling my body adequately, you know, not to have to always look at it like it's a balanced scale that we're trying to, um, you know, even out. Yeah, definitely. And that can just distract you from your entire life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. To obsess over that. Yeah. Yeah, It's interesting because um, we were talking about and we we talked about in another episode about our own issues with our thoughts on our body. And, you know, my initial thought is I don't have body image problems, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I, I'm like, that's, I have lots of other problems, yeah. <laughs> but body image is not, has right. not typically been one of them. Like right. I've just never struggled yeah. in that area. Mm-hmm. But when you say things like that, that just, it, mm-hmm. it, it we all have our, we all do things like that. Of I'm course. like, well, I went to spin class mm-hmm. today, mm-hmm. which I love to spin. Why do I spin? I don't spin because I want to have two beers tonight. I spin because I love it. And it makes me, makes right. my body feel good. And right. I feel strong, right. but I also use those sometimes. Well, I can have another beer right. because yeah. I because right. I went to spin, or right. I can you know eat this pasta instead of just eating a salad right. because I ran today. Yeah, and um, but maybe a healthier uh, m- mindset would be I'm going to have another beer because I enjoy beer. And <laughs> I that would be a true statement have, as well, know, but yeah. but also keeping it yes. in moderation, like with all of things, course. Right? Well, I was going to say that even yeah. what you just said is something because um, I was talking about on our previous episode how I'm trying to get in, out of the dieting mentality. So. So even when you say pasta versus a salad, because we're labeling food good and bad, how, yes. how do we do this? Because right. it, I guess what I'm asking, yeah. you know what I'm asking in case that didn't make sense to no, anybody it else. It does make sense. The, the labeling of food as good and bad or even healthy and unhealthy uh-huh. is something we all need to stay away from, okay. I think, yeah. because what happens when we do that is that if we have a list of foods in our mind that are bad foods, uh-huh. inevitably we're going to eat one of those foods. And it, it's too quick of a jump to then say, well, I'm bad because mm-hmm. I had that food. And then yeah. that leads to a lot of guilt and shame. Yes. Whereas mm-hmm. if we say all foods are, are good, maybe some have more nutritional content and some are more just for fun and because I enjoy them and I need a balance of all those. But when we give ourselves permission to enjoy food on Mm -hmm. a regular basis without creating so many rules over time, you'll see you'll, you'll eat what you want of that food and then you'll stop because you'll be satiated and you'll be connected to your body as opposed to when you've been depriving yourself uh, for a long time. And then that's when people tend to overdo it. Yeah. yeah. I think about, you know, children mm-hmm. um, and when you restrict them from things, mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. tend to rebel. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, and sometimes they need to be restricted yeah. from things and they're going to rebel. But I just, I think about that we, that the same way about our bodies, mm-hmm. when we restrict ourselves from something. So mm-hmm. I know for me growing up, my mom was good about balance. Yeah. So we were allowed some treats, Mm -hmm. but we also most of the time ate healthy, Mm -hmm. but I had friends of mine growing up that were not allowed any sugar whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And if we, if they got to a sleepover or to a party or something, I mean, they would gorge themselves because they had never touched Mm -hmm. a Coke or they had never, or they (laughs) never, they never get to have brownies. So then they would have six brownies instead of one or two brownies. Mm -hmm. And um, so our, 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 I guess you can speak to this more, but our psyche mm-hmm. reacts to that yeah, and sa- and says, I, I can never have this stuff. And now right. that I am having it, yeah. I need to have all of it because I need, I may never get it again. Right. It yeah. literally becomes the forbidden fruit. Exactly. You know, yes. if, you, if you tell myself, if you tell yourself, I can't have that, 
Yes. I mean, the first yeah. thing you do is want it. Yeah, exactly. More, exactly. Know? And that's yeah. what happens to backfire with a lot of diets, I think, yeah. is that, you know, suddenly there's this risk, list of rules that, you know, I can't have that. Well, now I want it more, you know. Yeah. And exactly. I can say, like, going on this journey, I have noticed, because brownies and chocolate chip cookies are, like, my things, mm-hmm. and, you know, you feel horribly guilty when you're on a diet and you eat them, because then you're like, oh, no, I just ruined everything. But mm-hmm. it's been interesting. So I had, this has probably been, like, a month or so that this has been going on, and, like, the first couple of weeks, it was, like, every day, I was like, I'm going to have a cookie, because I want a cookie. Yeah. And actually, today, I thought, okay, what sweet am I going to have? Am I have a brownie or a cookie? And then mm-hmm. I was like, I don't really want either of them. Right. And it was bizarre. That's I have never example. not wanted a brownie. Mm-hmm. Never. And I actually mm-hmm. don't want one today right? because it's not, the mm-hmm. pull is gone, right? you know? So it's, it's interesting yeah. that that actually happens. When you feel <laughs> like, that, and sometimes, you know, there's a great book called Intuitive Eating, and it talks about ways of, of what that means and how to be an intuitive eater that is listening to your body, listening yeah. to what your body yeah. tells you when it's hungry, when it's full, um, and responding to that in healthy ways and not engaging in emotional eating. Um, and what they talk about some of the ways that, that are non-intuitive eating. Sometimes people eat sweets just because they're available and they think, well, I don't have sweets at home, so I'm going to take this opportunity to eat sweets and they end up overdoing it. Yeah. But that's why it's important, like you're saying, to mm-hmm. give yourself permission on a regular basis. If I want sweets later today, I'm going to have some. You know, yeah. this isn't my only opportunity. Yeah. And therefore, you don't have to, um, you know, eat more than what you really want. So it sounds like you're we're going you're encouraging us to go from a scarcity mm-hmm. mindset to mm-hmm. one of abundance. Right. You know, it's it's available. We're fortunate in our in our culture yes. to have lots of available food and you know to have that readily especially in the city and you know so many choices available but reminding ourselves, you know, it's available. It's okay. Yes. We don't have to um, it's not the last supper. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. And yeah. even just strive for eating intuitively on holidays. You know, holidays tend to be really hard for people. Yes. Um, they tend to be exceptions. Can you come back in the fall? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know. I mean, Easter's next yeah. week. Oh, yeah. Easter. So, yeah. So, so that, you know, always can. Yeah. They're always right? something. Yeah. So that's why it's great to have a, a mindset that just works in general, even yep. on the holidays, you know. And you say mindset. Mm-hmm. So mind integrating yes. with our cravings, all of these things we're talking in this series is the integration of our bodies with our minds, hearts, and spirits. Mm-hmm. Um, can you kind of talk a little about how these different elements of our souls will work together to heal us from the struggle with our bodies? Yes. I, th- I think, you know, I've really seen and experienced that change is not something that happens in a straight line, you know, right. from point A to point B. Like we, especially if you're a perfectionist like me, you think, oh, I'm going to make this change. I'm going to go through the yes. five steps and Done. they'll, yeah, they'll <laughs> yeah. be at point B and nice and happy. And, you know, the reality is that is not real life. And the way that change more often looks is if you picture a slinky or a spiral, this is a theory of change that that is out there. Uh, in psychology that, you know, we revisit, it's like we're going along that slinky and revisiting the same issues uh again and again, and that's normal. Mm. But if you think of a slinky, you know, it stretches out and you're always revisiting those issues from a little bit different place, a little bit different perspective. And you've had added life experience, you've had added perspective. So I would encourage anybody who's revisiting a struggle that you've had in the past, not to say, oh, I'm back at square one, 
because mm. everybody revisits struggles. That's normal. That's so it's good just, to hear. You know, yes. it's just about understanding that we're works in progress. And when we revisit a struggle, we can ask ourselves, well, what have I learned about yes. dealing with this struggle yes. and how yes. can I more effectively face it this time than I have in the past? Yeah. And I mean, that's the same way we're taught to, I mean, deal if you have trouble with your emotions or mm-hmm. your thoughts or any of those things, it's kind of like, okay, I felt anxious before. What have I learned about it? And how mm-hmm. can I guide myself through it? Exactly. So same thing with food, same mm-hmm. thing with all of it, I guess. Right. Because um, they're all connected. And how do you, what about if we don't like our bodies right now. How is that actually affecting us more? Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of women think, oh, I hate my body, but I can still love myself. Or, right. or But that's not true, right? You, I really believe they're connected. You know, mm-hmm. when somebody looks in the mirror and feels self-critical about their body, I think they need to ask themselves, you know, if this weren't about my body, what would really, what would be the issue? If it mm-hmm. weren't my body, what would be wrong in this moment? Is it that I'm feeling down? I'm not feeling good enough? Am I you know, feeling inadequate in some area of my life, you know, just to dig a little deeper. And oftentimes the, the body image or the eating symptoms that somebody experiences are kind of the surface layer. Mm -hmm. They're the red flag. That is what we notice, but we need to dig a little deeper to see, you know, what's motivating that. What is it really that is kind of, you know, motivating those behaviors? Yeah, because you can be miserable at a size two and happy at a size 20. So it it really, you're right. Like it is, Mm -hmm. it's not really about your body. It's very subjective. And one way we can know this is to know, you know, think of a day when you've looked in the mirror and felt great. And then later that same day, you feel (laughs) awful. And, Mm -hmm. you know your body cannot possibly have right. changed in one day. <laughs> it's our perception. Has yes. Yes. It's our perception yes. and it's our emotional connection to our bodies that shifts. Mm. And so, you know, body, our bodies themselves, it's amazing how many times I work with people. Sometimes they, they do or don't know their actual weight. Um, and we're monitoring that for them sometimes. Uh, so they'll come back one week and be absolutely certain that they have gained a certain amount of weight and mm. they've actually lost or, you know, or vice yes. versa. And so mm-hmm. we, our experience in our bodies is often much different than actually what the objective reality is or what anybody else is noticing. Yeah. Definitely. And then when you think about kind of actually living this out mm-hmm. in a spiritual way, mm-hmm. how can we, we struggle, I think, to find balance when we're having these different perceptions coming up all the time. So mm-hmm. if you're in that place where you notice, okay, I'm projecting on my body, this feeling about I messed something up. So now I think my body sucks or whatever mm-hmm. it is. How, how can we look at that situation and bring ourselves back to a place of wholeness? Mm-hmm. Well, I think we have to address all areas really. I mean, cause they're all integrated. Like you all have talked about, you know, that, um, spiritually, we need to kind of check in with ourselves in all areas. I think ideally on a daily basis, like okay. how am I doing spiritually? How am I doing with my connections to people? Mm-hmm. How am I doing uh, with my thinking patterns? You know, yes, yes. how am I doing with my behaviors? And to look at all of those and just kind of do a little mm-hmm. inventory. Where where do I see things? How, you know, how are things in each of those areas? And a change in one area is going to have ripple effects in the others. So, you know, I can think in my own life when spirituality has been at the forefront, I've had a major spiritual kind of insight or something that Mm -hmm. then, 
you know, does have ripple effects. I tend to have more positive thoughts about myself. I tend to feel better about my body in those instances when I've regularly been spending time in prayer. Uh, You know, there's just, there's a connection there. Absolutely. But there are also things you can do to address body image directly. Okay. And, you know, I think focusing on your strengths, focusing, challenging our Like your physical strengths? Yeah, your physical strengths. Okay. You know, in our, um, at ACE where I worked, the, we had a body acceptance group okay. and everybody was asked at the beginning of that group every week to brag about a body part. And that was <laughs> often something that was really hard for people, but yeah. you know, it encourages us, you know, it's okay to feel good about our bodies and it's yeah. good to feel good about our bodies and to do that, you know, to enhance our appearance in, in positive ways that are coming from a place of self-care not a place of needing to look perfect, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I think that I, I, I think that's important what you said about, um, ex, well, not just the acceptance of our body, but that it's mm-hmm. okay to accept our body. Yeah. So I think sometimes our thinking is disordered mm-hmm. and, um, no pun intended, yeah. um, it's <laughs> because we think that if I think well of my body, mm-hmm. then, that's wrong too. Right. Yeah, we to, think we're like arrogant. We think we're arrogant, yes. or we think mm-hmm. you, that that's, or if we want to look at it from a spiritual perspective, right. like that's loving ourselves too much, right. or that's thinking too highly of ourselves. Right. But we're okay with deprecating ourselves. Right. Like maybe right. even people start to feel like I'm being humble if I'm tearing down Don't, my body. Oh, I think that's like our something. female culture. Right. Yeah. Yes. You, it's like the pretty right. girls in the room. She has to tell you what's wrong with her, what she hates about yeah. herself, or we all hate her. You know, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. like that's right. just. But I think that's something we need to collectively really try to get away from as women. You know, yes. to first of all, build each other up and be yeah. happy yes. for each other. And, and also not shrinking back from our strengths, you know, and yes. to, to say – to dare to say, I love my body. I, I appreciate things about it. I like things about it and, you know, to embrace it, um, as a whole and to set that as the norm, because there is a difference between being confident and being arrogant. And I think people Mm -hmm. are afraid of being arrogant if they do that. But, you know, arrogance is about putting down other people and Mm. elevating yourself. Yeah. Confidence is knowing your strengths and being able to own that. That's a really good distinction. That is a good I'm distinction. I'm glad you said that. Yep. Um, so if somebody wants to take these things, take a step toward wholeness, you've already reminded us that we need to be checking in with our mental, spiritual, emotional, all these parts mm-hmm. of ourselves daily. Yeah. Um, can you give people just some general tools if they want to kind of step away from a diet mentality and maybe into more of a just holistic eating mm-hmm. like a toddler? Right sort of mentality intuitive eating yes you know if people think that they may have some issues with food um sometimes they need to eat we call it a difference between mechanical eating and intuitive eating sometimes people need to start out more eating mechanically at first uh for instance when people have not been eating enough over a period of time they can't really rely on their their signals of hunger and fullness. Uh, yeah. uh-huh. They have lost touch with that. Yes. So they may need to see a dietitian, get some therapy, and yep. get a structured meal plan to, that they need to follow in a mechanical sense, even if they aren't feeling hungry because their see. body okay. just needs that food. And so they may need to follow kind of a detailed plan and and until the point where they're stabilized in their weight or at a place where mm-hmm. they can kind of shift toward more intuitive 
trusting their their hunger and fullness signals again when those are restored. Yeah. And so that's not only for people who have been restricting, that could also Mm -hmm. be for people who have been eating too much. Absolutely. Because for people who overeat or binge eat, they may be tending to eat in response to cues other than hunger, like emotional states, stress or whatever, stress. Right. So for them, the, the challenge might be mechanical eating, but you know, again, with a meal plan that is giving them enough to eat, it's not restrictive, but it's also, you know, maybe I would encourage somebody to do some journaling when they feel hunger to ask themselves, is this really about hunger or is this Mm -hmm. really about um, needing to eat food or is it in response to an emotional state that maybe I'm needing something a little bit different, like comfort or talking to a friend or going for a walk or something else. Yeah. Recognizing that it's a, it's hunger, right? but maybe it's not hunger for food, right? Like it's hunger for connection or something. Mm -hmm. That's really good. What, um, so on that topic, when we get to like self-care and self-soothing, that's Mm -hmm. part of it because we can see, okay, this isn't about physical hunger. I actually need something else. What, Mm -hmm. what are some, do you have some tools like take a bath or Mm -hmm. just some basic things people can do to practice self-soothing? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, There's lots of resources out there for the, for that, but just to give a couple of examples, I mean, I think this is very individual. So you have to tune into what do you enjoy doing? And you have to be connected to yourself to know that. So for mm-hmm. many people, you know, exercise of some sort can be that, um, you know, if somebody tends toward excessive exercise, they may not, that may not be their best strategy. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe it's a different form, like just going for a leisurely walk. Versus um, going to run. Exactly. Yeah, a lot of people uh, use distracting coping skills, like, uh, you know, maybe doing a crossword, playing a game, uh, reading a book. Mm-hmm. Uh, then there's more active coping skills like doing journaling about your feelings or talking with a friend about how you feel. Uh, another distraction type of coping is just, you know, getting together with a friend and going and doing something together. It doesn't have to always be. So it's okay to the use issues. the distracting ones? Absolutely. Oh, okay, okay. Distracting skills are great skills to use. They just can't be your only ones. You need yes, to, yes. You need to use active coping some of the time to deal with what's really going on. Definitely. Mm-hmm. So, so you talked about the mechanical eating mm-hmm. as like the first step. So, and you talked about a continuum of eating disorder right. or body image, um, mm-hmm. wrong thinking, disordered thinking. So there are some people obviously that, that are going to need therapy mm-hmm. and, and mechanical eating and, yeah. and they need to see a therapist. Right. Um, and just for the record, um, we will be providing a lot of, um, these notes in our show notes, um, Angela's, um, website with all of um, her information on it. And she's going to talk a little bit more in a second about the book that's um, she's being, pu- that's being published and all of that. But I just, sorry, I, wanted to, I wanted to throw that <laughs> out there. But so, so there's, there's there, that's, there's that end of the spectrum. And then there's all of us in the middle of the spectrum who, you know, it's swimsuit season. Mm-hmm. So we, we have these thoughts in our heads that we're going right. to, well, I'm going to, I'm going to cut out all carbs. Mm-hmm. I'm going to cut out you know, whatever it is that we're going to cut out, I'm going to mm-hmm. cut out fat or I'm going to cut out this, or I'm going to cut out that. Right. Um, and, and, but we are learning that right. obviously that's not a healthy pattern. Right. So if we want to be more healthy and more whole and we want to try the intuitive eating mm-hmm. and, and we, we're not at the side of the spectrum where we necessarily need yeah. professional therapy, right. but we just need to change our thought right. pattern. Like, yeah. how would you, 
I have a couple of suggestions with that. I mean, one is to really challenge your thinking, you know, rather than thinking, oh, how am I going to fit into the swimsuit? Maybe the swimsuit is the problem, not you. you <laughs> yeah, know? exactly. So yes, maybe yes. I need to shop for a swimsuit I feel great in as yes. I am. That's made for an adult woman. Exactly. Right. So <laughs> I'm like, like, there's a swimsuit that, you know, highlights your strengths and yes. that you can feel comfortable enough in. Um, you know, if possible. And if you don't feel comfortable, maybe the solution is not to restrict or diet, but to, you know, talk about those feelings with somebody and, you know, get to a place where you can feel more confident as you are. Um, And I forgot the other thing. Oh, intuitive eating. Just so intuitive eating. Yes. yes, The, uh, the ways to do that, you know, I mean, really it's about listening to your body. If you begin to feel that you may be crossing over into some emotional eating, you know, maybe just stop for five minutes and do a little journaling exercise. You know, what am I feeling right now? What Mm -hmm. do I need right now? Am I needing some comfort or some connection? Am I needing to self-soothe in a different way? Um, What are the needs that are present? Am I still hungry? Okay, maybe I will have a little bit more, but, you know, just asking those questions. Also, I think there's some practices like, you know, putting food on a plate and sitting down at a table when you eat, as opposed to, you know, maybe just snacking and grabbing things in the kitchen tends to be a less, less mindful way of eating, mm-hmm. um, you know, eating in the car while you're driving out of a Tupperware as you're doing three other things, you know, yeah. talking on the phone mm-hmm. is not a very mindful way of eating. Mm-hmm. And so if you can schedule time in your day, don't over schedule yourself to where meals get pushed to the back burner. Yes. You know, make time to sit down, even if it's just you at your dining room table, sit down with a plate and, uh, you know, take your time, make it an enjoyable experience. Don't try to do three things at once. Yeah. Cause I notice when I do that, mm-hmm. when I'm eating really fast, it's like my brain doesn't even register that I just ate right. anything. Exactly. You check out. Yeah. You're just mm-hmm. not even there. Mm-hmm. And then you don't know if you're full. You don't know if you're hungry. Right. Like you kind of just don't know what even happened. Right. An experiment anyone can try is just to take a Hershey's kiss and try to really mindfully eat that Hershey's kiss. So hmm. maybe you unwrap it, look at it, smell it, put mm-hmm. it in your mouth, take your time eating it and really notice the feelings of enjoyment that you mm-hmm. have as you eat that one small piece of food and just practice mindful eating in that way. And if you eat food that way, it is almost impossible to binge eat Yeah, because binge eating involves checking out. Yes. And, and really people who binge eat are only enjoying typically those first few bites, then they're checking out and it becomes about something else. So, you know, practicing mindful eating, I think is a good way to steer yourself. And it's cool um, to think about how we're talking about integration. Like Mm -hmm. all of us know we should probably be meditating, but Mm -hmm. who's going to actually make time to do that in a regular day? But that sounds like something Mm -hmm. you could build into your day. So if you Mm -hmm. eat a mindful lunch and you just take 10, 15 minutes to sit down and do that, that's also your meditate. Like you can just combine those things and then it's not just one more thing on the list. It's something you're already doing. Exactly. Right. Practicing positive thinking, practicing prayer meditation, anything that might help you um, during that time as well can be really, really important. So, um, so we're talking about mindful eating Mm -hmm. and then intuitive eating. So our 
you know, our culture likes to restrict. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what sells. Right. Is I have this new diet. Right. And if you restrict X, Y, and Z, mm -hmm. you're going to look like this. And then we get our before and after pictures. Right. right. And um, so the question is, and I also hear a lot in what I'm reading on um, this idea of undieting. Mm -hmm. So what does that look like? And, and do you even agree with that? Moving away from the dieting yes. mentality. Yes. I would support that 100%. Yeah. I mean, I, I think... Like I said, I mean, there is almost, I, I can't think of a diet that doesn't involve some type of deprivation experience yes. for someone. So I think why people are drawn to it is because we want so, we want immediate results. We yes. live in a culture where we tap our phone and get exactly what we want when yep. we want it. Mm -hmm. And we have become conditioned to expect quick results. Yep. You know, developing a life of intuitive eating you know, I'm not going to lie, that may not be something that happens overnight for anyone. Yeah, yeah. But when it's developed, it's going to be a lifelong satisfying practice. So I think we have to be willing to tolerate that developing some of these skills takes time and is not immediate. Um, it's not about immediate results. Well, and I know for I know for me at least, what I need to do is attack the fear that if I do intuitive eating, mm -hmm. I'm not going to look a certain way because the right. appeal with certain diets or right. all diets in general, right. unless you're doing it for a medical issue, right. um, those diets are because we think our body's going to look a certain way if we do that, mm -hmm. and if we intuitively eat, our body's going to be the healthy healthiest version of. How we were created right and so part of that is is I, am i okay with the healthiest right. version of who mm. i am right. yes. and and so that i think spiritual challenge that is a spiritual challenge right. is to just think okay i'm going to get healthy and i'm going to do it in a way that it's not restrictive right and I, i'm going to have right thinking on food yeah. and all of these things and I might still be the same weight that I am. Mm -hmm. I may be a stronger, healthier version of the same weight that I am. Right. And I may still look the same way that I do in bathing suits yeah. or whatever it is or my jeans or whatever. Mm -hmm. And am I okay with that? Right. And so that needs to be addressed too. At least I know it does for me. Right. Like I need to be like the, the strong healthy version of me is the right version of exactly. me. Exactly. Yes. And that's the true meaning of healthy in my mind. Yes. You know, a lot of people say healthy, but what they really mean is as thin as possible. Yes. And, oh, yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. Not, yes. Those do not equate, you know? Yeah, right. And yeah. Uh, it, you just never know as you look around the people around you, who, who has the body they have, are they doing that in a healthy way, mm -hmm. you know, that's truly healthy? Yeah. Uh, are, is that the body that they were truly given or are they having to manipulate food or do unhealthy things to to maintain that? So we would all benefit, I think, by having the true goal of health, finding the set point that is right for our own bodies yes. and loving and, and accepting and working to embrace that. Yeah. Angela had so many good things to say on this topic that we decided to split it into two episodes. But spoiler alert, next week's is just as good. So we hope you'll tune in to listen and get some more guidance and info on your beautiful bodies. And until next week, we love you and have a good one.